and I was in my mid twenties and I thought, oh my goodness, like, am I really going to do this for another 40 years? Do I literally have to be on this never ending groundhog day for 40 years until I can get out of this cycle? Is that, is this literally what I'm going to be trapped in? And, uh, and I didn't know what it would look like because I also didn't have an entrepreneurial mindset or at least I didn't think I did. So I thought, well, there's no jobs for Reiki masters. So what am I going to do? Like, if I really want to do what I love, if I truly want to honor what I love, you know, what is that going to look like? They say that life is full of opportunities, right? So why are so many of us dreading getting out of bed to face another day? I know what that's like. My life was full of conflict, stress, failure, and fear. When I got cancer for the second time, my choice was simple, change or die. Today, I love waking up. I love my life. I love owning my own business that is helping people learn and grow. So how do you unlock that kind of transformation in your life? Let's discover the answers together as we hear from ordinary people like you and me and their extraordinary success stories. My name is Donna Gammon, and this is Power to Grow. Welcome, everyone. I am so happy to share with you this special guest that we have today. I have Jennifer Longmore with me today. Jennifer is a leading authority on soul purpose and the elite. She is an elite business coach and enlightened entrepreneur. She is a very sought after media personality, three time bestselling author. So you are an author. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) And she has been in the field for 15 years and she has served her clients in permanently shifting their limiting beliefs and their patterns that have prevented them from being who they really are so that they can live their best life and their abundant life that they desired. So Jennifer, thank you for being here today and welcome to our show. Can you share with me, Jennifer, a little bit more about your journey? Now you didn't start where you're at today. You didn't work with 30,000 people right off the bat. You had a journey Mm -hmm. that you went through. Can you take us through your journey and tell us a little bit more about that? I would love to. And thank you for inviting me onto your show. I'm actually really excited to do this. Um, I love when the universe brings us together in these kind of ways, because, you know, you can kind of feel the magic brewing in the air, but it won't be till the end of our discussion that we'll realize, oh, this is why, (laughs) you know, why we were guided to come together. So uh, when I When I grew up, you know, when I was a baby, actually, I used to see orbs in my crib and I can remember that. And I think a lot of us can remember these moments, but who are you going to tell that to, right? And have people not think that you're crazy. Fortunately, I grew up in a home where that was encouraged and it was just normal. But most people I coach now just wouldn't have been able to talk about that. I was very telekinetic as a child. I had you know, my stuffed animals would kind of fly around the room. I'd have pennies fly around the room. I don't know that that was actually happening or if I was just entering into parallel realities or something, but mm-hmm. I had a lot of imaginary friends and um, my parents were already very awake and my maternal grandfather used to solve crimes with the police as a psychic medium. 
So my mom was really wanting to know why we all came together in this lifetime. You know, why did I choose them as my parents? What unresolved issues did we still have? And, you know, what, uh, what cool, you know, past lives did we have together? So we started going to this group called the Evergreens. Now, I don't even know if they're still around. I'm trying to get my mom actually to pull any audios from that time because I know for sure they would have spoken of this time and I'm really curious to see what they would have said about the Great Awakening. But anyways, we had past life regressions and uh, found out what we came here to work through together, what the unresolved stuff was. And, uh, and then I went to school and I learned that I made people feel very uncomfortable. I didn't know what I was doing uh, or what I wasn't doing, but I just knew that when I spoke to people, they would feel uncomfortable not knowing that I had a tendency to tell people things that were going to happen before they happened. And so people would get freaked out that I knew things that I shouldn't know. And uh, so I spent a great deal of my childhood feeling safe at home, you know, being able to act this way at home, but out in the world, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I was making people feel uncomfortable. And for those of us that are healers, that's the last thing we want. Right. So I really thought there was something wrong with me and I didn't like, you know, it's not that people were reacting that way all the time. I had friends and stuff, but I felt like I had to really censor myself. I felt like I really had to be a chameleon and figure out who do I need to be in this situation so that I can be accepted, so that I can fit in, so that I can make other people feel comfortable and so that I get to do this again tomorrow. (laughs) And uh, then I went to high school and uh and i was pretty angry with god by that point because i thought this was a curse i really didn't have the language for it and i i was angry and i was kind of cursing it and so on and then in my late teens i said you know this isn't going away this knowingness isn't going away so i don't have to accept it but what would happen if i got curious about it what would happen if i just leaned into it and figured out what it's trying to tell me it's trying to get my attention And uh, so I started getting into crystals and astrology and numerology and felt like I, and and I was going to these psychic shows, right, which we've probably all been to. And uh, it's, there always is interesting energy there, but at least I felt like there's my people. There are people that are like me. They speak my language. Oh my goodness, right? I really didn't know. And um, so I went off to university. I had a car accident and, um, it was it was a pretty significant car accident. It was a great experience, right? It really opened me up. It opened up a lot of portals for me, including being introduced to Reiki, which was a huge gift because Reiki finally gave me the language for the other things I was experiencing. So it helped me bridge the worlds between being intuitive and having this energetic, you know, reserve, so to speak. And um, my Reiki master said to me, you know, I, I think you're meant to to take a level one class. This was when I was just getting worked on and, uh, and I instantly resisted it because I thought it was gonna be like a class at university. I was already overwhelmed. I'd already been writing a gazillion papers. Like the last thing I wanted was another class. That was why I got into the car accident because I was too busy with schoolwork. But something kept saying go. So I went and within 15 minutes, you know when we have frogs jump out of our mouth, right? We're saying things And we kind of catch it after it's jumped out. Like, did that just come out of my mouth? So I said, oh, I'm going to become a Reiki master. I didn't even know what Reiki was still. I mean, I I did, but I didn't know what it meant to learn it and to Mm -hmm. then teach it. But here I was saying I was going to be a Reiki master. 
So I did. And then I finished university and off I went to work um, for uh, a joint task force investigating crimes against children. And I did that for many, many years. Well, that's a very rewarding job. And I learned a lot about human behavior, addiction, cycles of violence, really anything you can imagine. And it's really challenging to work in that kind of role when the energy is so dense and you have your Reiki mastery and when you're intuitive and you know people are lying to you mm -hmm. uh, and you either can't find the evidence or even if you can, it doesn't matter because corrupt judges are throwing cases out of court and, and so on. So I, it was a very rewarding experience. And the gift in that is that, fast forward to me opening my healing business, is that I was seeing the same people. I was now seeing adults who had unresolved sexual trauma or uh, were recovering from narcissistic parents or were recovering from parentification from an addicted parent that was constantly, you know, stealing all of their pocket change to go and buy alcohol, for example, right? So all of the things that I dealt with when I investigated were now things I was able to heal for people because they were coming to me voluntarily. And uh, so it was very cool that I had that life experience to really know what I was talking about and know how to help people, you know, when I first started my healing business. Now, did you get into that? Because you said your dad actually did something very similar to that, right? Wasn't he helping also? My maternal grandfather. Yeah. So oh, my maternal grandfather. grandfather thought it would be really fun to send me all of the Jane Roberts books when I was seven. Now, if you've ever mm -hmm. read any of those, they're mm -hmm. really intense. And even now reading them as an adult, I get cross-eyed. It's kind of like an Eckhart Tolle book or mm -hmm. Seed of the Soul or something where you have to read a paragraph and let it marinate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and oh, the next day, you know, they're, <laughs> they're deep things. And um, so he was sending me these books when I was seven. Uh, and he just thought it was great that he had a, a granddaughter that could, you know, have conversations with him. So I was almost like his little toy, which I didn't necessarily appreciate, right? He just, he'd like to test me and... I'd, I kind of knew who he was, but I didn't really have words for it. And um, so he, uh, he was an interesting character and he did a lot of channeled messages. He solved some crimes for sure when he worked um, kind of pro bono, I guess you could say, with the police. But um, he also had a lot of interference in the military. As we know, the military is very good in many countries of implanting their folks with things that tamper with their language of light. And so he uh, also had some, some interference with his intuition. He would claim to get numbers for betting on horses and he was always losing all his money on the horses, even though his guides were telling him to bet on these horses. I think it was interference. But there were many other things that he would get, right? And additionally, you know, he's not hearing more, but based on what's going on in the world right now, I would love to interview him about the things that, you know, the disclosures that they were asked to keep secret and, uh, you know, what really happened in World War II, things like that, right? The things mm. that are coming to light now. Yeah. So 
that's that's probably a conversation for another time yeah yeah but that's you know it's so true there's so many of those things those hidden things that maybe aren't ever shared that you do wish you could go back and just ask you know Mm -hmm. um, so I totally agree with that so as you've been through this journey and now you're a Reiki master you've been helping mm -hmm. solve these crimes do these things um, where, where did you go from there? Cause you said you, you ended up, uh -huh. you know, you were kind of done with that and you went on in life. So where did you go yeah. from there? So when I was still in forensics, um, and I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate. I had really bad adrenal fatigue and I had what I call Monday morning dread because I was so burnt out. And because it was a never ending battle, right? The, the, the agencies are actually the issues because they claim that they want their clients to change. They claim that they're change agents, but they actually are very slow at creating change. And there's a lot of red tape and, you know, it, it starts to, uh, the clients were fine, even though it was intense and some of them can be really violent. It was really more the, the government that was a pain in the butt. But anyways, I had this moment where you know, I was a public servant. I was making just enough money to get by or not quite enough money to get by. And I was in my mid twenties and I thought, oh my goodness, like, am I really going to do this for another 40 years? Do I literally have to be on this never ending groundhog day for 40 years until I can get out of this cycle? Is that, is this literally what I'm going to be trapped in? And, uh, and I didn't know what it would look like because I also didn't have an entrepreneurial mindset, or at least I didn't think I did. So I thought, well, there's no jobs for Reiki masters. So what am I going to do? Like, if I really want to do what I love, if I truly want to honor what I love, you know, what is that going to look like? But I knew that me living just above the line or just below the line was not going to be sustainable. That was not a life that was exciting. And it wasn't even that it was about the money. It was about feeling trapped and not having a lot of breathing room and feeling like a slave to debt, basically. So um, because I just kind of put that thought cloud out there, I ended up meeting another Reiki master. And then she was connected with other Reiki masters. And some of these Reiki masters actually had businesses and they were making a living. Looking back, they weren't making the greatest living, but it didn't matter. I got to finally see a model of what was possible, but I didn't even know. It wasn't even on my radar. So I left uh, that agency. I went to work in corporate for two years and did sexual harassment investigations, fraud investigations, and so on. What that gave me was the true gift to work nine to five. I truly could leave at five o'clock. I wasn't working until 11 or 12 at night and getting up again at 6 a.m. and, you know, working on the weekends and stuff. So I could keep plans. I could finally restore my adrenals. But I could also go to networking events and speak with these aliens, right? These entrepreneurs who were speaking a language that I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to surround myself with them to see if I could be like one of them. Like, these people are really different. They have different schedules. They talk about different things. Like, what is this, right? And, uh, and I realized, oh, I'm, I'm actually kind of like them. So it was a great bridge for me to, to still get paid well, to heal my adrenals, to really figure out what I wanted to do. But then, as we all know, for those of us that start a business, there's still that leap we have to take. And I kept waiting for someone to push me off the cliff, right? I just felt like that would be easier instead of me taking the leap and trusting that it would catch me. Mm -hmm. And it became more and more painful, not unlike being trapped in, in that forensic job that I told you about. 
to keep waiting for one day, someday, you know, like, like we tend to do, right? There was never going to be a perfect time. There's definitely times that are not good to start a business, but, but there was not going to be a better time. So I took the leap and, um, and sure enough, I, I took off right away and I had a dream about the Akashic records and I had this recurring dream with this beautiful book with gold on the edges and Sanskrit. I knew it was Sanskrit. I didn't know why I knew it was Sanskrit. I just knew it was Sanskrit. And this dream every night, all night long, literally all night would flip pages so quickly. And I'd have this anxiety almost like I need to read from this book. There, there's important messages in there. Why can't I read the page? Stop making the pages go so quickly and it wouldn't stop. So finally, after two weeks, I had this epiphany. I said to my guides, guys, like you clearly have a message for me. I'm not sleeping. Please, when I fall asleep tonight, let me know what you're showing me. Let me clearly understand it. Let me remember it when I wake up. And please, for the love of all things holy, just let me sleep. <laughs> and uh, so in the middle of the night, I heard, these are the Akashic records. You must learn them so you can teach them. And I, although that's a very profound message, I was just like, thank God, now I can go to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah. I, and sure enough, I remembered when I woke up and I got a phone call about half an hour later. And it was this guy saying, I'd like to book an Akashic record reading. And I'm like, what is happening? This is crazy. I, what? And he said, yeah, I got your name from this person who happened to be a friend of mine who owned a crystal store. Now she didn't know I had this dream. She had, she didn't know why that frog jumped out of her mouth either. But this guy called the store and said, do you have an Akashic record reader there? And she said, no, call Jennifer. Not knowing that I could do it, that I have this big, you know, nothing, right? So I hemmed and hawed and I said, okay, well, obviously the universe is working bigger things. So I'm just going to dedicate the weekend to opening up to the Akashic Records and really just familiarizing myself with the energy. I'll book an appointment with him next week. He became my very first client. And after that, it just kind of became yeah, a thing. And so, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. I'm also a Reiki master. And so I actually kind of you know, listening to your story, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can see that whole transition of, you know, it does, it almost like presents itself and, and the same kind of thing. It was like, you know, here's these clients and it was just being sent to me and brought to me and finding me. And I mean, it was just so crazy. So, you know, the universe does you know, if that is what you're supposed to be doing, if that is your purpose here, then all of those things kind of flow into place, don't they? And it becomes this beautiful thing. And I love that you were helping so many people, not, you know, on the forensic side of, of things, but also, you know, just the personal side. And it sounds like you have you said 30,000 people you've actually done mm. sessions for and mm. with, and uh, that's huge. I've done a lot, but mm. I have not done that many. <laughs> yeah, so. it wouldn't be 30,000 people, but it, it was, it's definitely well over 30,000. I just stopped counting oh, after a while. Okay, because, that, yeah. that makes sense. I was thinking people, yeah. so I was like, wow, that's a lot of people. Because you do do yeah. multiples of people. I, I do several to, yeah. you know, with the same clients yeah. and things like that. So yeah, I've never added it up, but I guess I better. 
think about that. Yeah, so. it's just, in the beginning, I was just serving and, mm -hmm. uh, and I was being ridiculous with my boundaries because I was just so happy that I was doing this work. And I, I really felt so privileged mm -hmm. that I was saying yes to everyone. And, you know, when you start working with people locally, those folks mm -hmm. have friends and family all over the world. So the majority of my clients ended up being over the phone in a very quick amount of time when I started my business. And uh, so I have people in all different time zones and I really struggled with saying no to people. So I was booking calls at midnight uh, and I was booking calls on, you know, like 12, 14 hour days and just ridiculous stuff. Now I had the energy at that time until I didn't. And then I hit a wall and I had to pair it back to maybe eight to 10 readings a day. But um, yeah, I've been doing readings now for probably about 20 years. I've been in business now for 16 years full time. And, uh, and then we've served about 100,000 plus people through the business. So in a variety of different ways, right? Whether they took a cash record training with me or whether they took, um, you know, I don't know, like energy of money classes or business classes, things like that. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it's been pretty, a pretty wild ride because I'm sure you can relate to when you start your business, you're just wanting to help people. It's not like you have this big, number in your head typically right for most people you're just like I'm excited to to help people in this way and that the fact that the fact that the universe is giving me divine compensation for this is just a bonus and uh and then over the years I started learning that oh I better I was always investing in in myself and my skills but I was never investing in a business coach it didn't occur to me I, it, it, I really didn't even know that was available to me, but when it became available, I was like, oh my goodness, I cannot believe all this time I wasn't investing in, in something to show me how to, you know, pivot when it was time to pivot. Mm -hmm. So then, uh, yeah, then that's I started huge. investing in that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so now you, so obviously you had a coach or maybe even several coaches because I, I have yeah. as well, and I am a coach, but I also co have a coach. So, yeah. um, you, you are an author now you've wrote a book. You, um, also have these, um, I'm guessing programs that you offer for people as well. These kind of soul, uh, finding their soul purpose. Is that more of what it is? Tell us a little bit about that um, and kind of what yeah. uh, people can find from you. So we have, uh, a certification program for Akashic Records and there's various layers of that. So that's kind of the spiritual, like the solely dedicated stuff I have for spiritual growth mm -hmm. for the company. And then uh, I do have uh, some certifications on the, on the energy of money, coaching people through all of the upper limit stuff that happens and really going, doing a deep dive on some of the the more ascension stuff with prosperity codes and things like that, but where my real heart is, and especially now that we're in the great awakening is I love helping conscious entrepreneurs, people that are spreading light. And so many people have felt a deeper call to action that they, they can't articulate that maybe some of their stuff is still in the way. And so even before this, I was wanting to help light workers stay out of their own way by helping them have some strategies and so on for growing their business, but also really so much of it, as you know, is energetic and, and mindset. So I, the last probably 10 years or so of the business, I've dedicated more to business coaching. So ma like hosting masterminds and, and um, you know, private containers and so on. 
So it's, it's been pretty, uh, pretty neat. And, and then I launched some podcasts. I have a seven figure club podcast to help people get over all the monkey mind stuff of it being so hard to get to that level. Cause we've been pretty programmed to believe that that's hard. And then additionally, if we're a spiritual coach or, you know, uh huh. so what is your podcast called? It's called the seven figure club, seven figure. So, okay. It's, like it. it's not, I don't get too woo on that because I, I want it to be more focused on that, but uh, we've all been programmed to believe that as spiritual entrepreneurs, we shouldn't be making a certain amount of money and, or we've been told we can make that, but that it's going to be really hard to get there. Mm-hmm. So I invite different people on that have reached that, right. To be able to share their story of how they did it with their unique business model. And, um, and so that's, that's a lot of fun. But anyways, we have a lot of, a lot of things that happen in the business to, to make sure that, uh, people are really aligned in their purpose and business by the way just happens to be that container that people choose to step into a lot of times even if someone has a job and they discover their purpose they they come to realize at a certain point that they're actually going to have way more freedom spreading their purpose in the world when they get when they have control over the container or the vehicle that shares it with the world we tend to not be able to do that as fully as we want through a job so it just makes sense that if I'm going to show people what their purpose is and help them really get in alignment with that, that I'm also helping them really create a solid business around that. I love that. I love that. Um, it sounds like you and I have a lot of the similar things because I'm actually also just ventured into the business side of it as well and teaching people how to actually grow their business. So I love that. So if somebody was to want to get a hold of you and find out more about your things, where is it that they can reach you and uh, find you? Well, I spend probably too much time on Facebook. <laughs> it's, it's an interesting climate over there right now, but I, I have been on there for a really long time and I actually have a, a free group on there called the Purpose Posse. So that is a container for conscious entrepreneurs that want to feel like they're, you know, with other unicorns and mermaids basically and, and uh, you know, receiving guidance and tips and tricks around their business. Purpose Posse is the name of your Facebook group. And um, do you do individual sessions now or not anymore? Is it more group? No, that's something I kind of reserve for people that are stepping into, you know, deeper containers with me. Mm-hmm. But when, when I'm teaching Akashic Records, I, I end up kind of reading people because it, it usually ends up just coming up that way. Mm-hmm. But when people are coaching with me privately, for sure, um, I just you know, I'm kind of at a place where, and this is a little business tip, I guess, but I invest a lot in my container, right? Meaning me, I, you know, uh, I'm always growing and evolving. I invest probably a hundred thousand dollars a year in my personal growth, my business growth. And so I bring my A game to the table. And so when people step in, I want to be, if I'm going to bring my A game anyways, I want to do it with people that are committing to themselves as well. Mm-hmm. And so when people step into like a nine month or a 12 month container, that's a very different energy than, Hey, can I take you for a test drive for an hour? Right. Right. Um, yeah. Big difference. That's, I agree. I know that's, that's a little bit direct, but that's, I, I used to say yes to everyone. And then I realized that 
in doing readings, there's people that are committed to their growth and then there's people that um, kind of want to abdicate their power and have someone else tell them what to do with their lives. And so I like working with people that are, are already co-creating and already at a certain level of they're yeah. moving forward and they're their able to progress <laughs> eventually on their own. Yes. I totally yeah. understand what you're saying and I agree with you. When you get into this kind of field, you find that there are certain people that you, you know, you think you want to work with and then you work with them and you're like, because, mm, you know, I had a brother that passed away and uh, I thought, you know, I want to work with people that are in that state that like depressed kind of state where before they take their life, I want to help them. But what I found is there was a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them that weren't ready to make that change. And, mm -hmm. you know, I want people that want change. And so it sounds like you also are in that field where you're ready mm -hmm. to kind of progress them forward. You want to help them so that they can then go on and do more for themselves. Mm -hmm. So I really, really love that. Um, Jennifer, I appreciate you being on today. Usually at the end of my sessions, I always ask, what is the one thing that made the biggest transition for you for your life change? What was it that mm -hmm. might help someone else if they're looking at this and they're going through similar things? What made the biggest shift for you? I'm taking that leap. I read a ton of books on soul purpose, hoping that those books were going to just do the work for me. This was way back in the day. I think we can all fall into that. And then you finally have this awakening after like 20 books where, oh, I actually have to go do the thing, right? And I have to go and be uncomfortable and I have to, you know, have some gulp factors and be a little stretchy. So uh, that, and I would say then in, in, in that, of course, is that we, once we sort of give ourselves permission to be comfortable with being uncomfortable, we have way more quantum leaps in our mm -hmm. life and our business than if we're playing it safe. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that. I will totally agree with you. Action makes all the difference in anything you do. So taking that leap of faith and just stepping forward. So Jennifer, thank you again for being a part of our show today. I really appreciate Appreciate you sharing your story and uh, we hope to have you back again another time. So thank you. Thank you. I'm grateful. Thank you for joining us today. My name is Donna Gammon and this is Power to Grow. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a review now and I will give you a free download of my blessed morning. This is something that is worth so much. It's what I use to get past my past, if you know what I mean. Until our next show, thank you again for joining us. This is Donna Gammon and this is Power to Grow. Thank you.